We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is going on, Roto Grinders? Welcome to Sports Card Grinders. I'm your host, Dean, uh, joined as a as usual by our usual suspects, uh, batting first, leading off. It's Brennan. Brennan, we're going to talk about your article that we're uh, you know let's go. I don't know if it's has it been released just yet. Uh, I know you have a you did a market analysis, market market cap analysis on uh, who is it? Uh, Giannis and Luca. We'll discuss that later. Tease it a little bit. Has your article been released just yet? Yeah, yeah, it has. It's it's out there, and it uh, it basically expands on the previous analysis, which was Luca versus LeBron. We've now brought Giannis into the mix, and it's it's a pretty int- there's some pretty interesting takeaways, not just from a market cap perspective, but some different nuances of the different eras of cards. So, uh, pretty excited to get that out, and I think there's a lot of good things in there if, if you have time to check it out. Yeah, we'll touch on that later uh, later in the show. Of course, do check out the article. Read it on Rotogrinders uh, Rotogrinders.com if you want to get all technical. Uh, feel free to like and subscribe as far as that video. this video. We much appreciate that. Uh, next up, Simon, I don't know if you have an article out there lurking, but I believe you do have some videos on this very channel. Tease the video. What, what did you uh, you throw up a couple days ago? Uh, my video for most recently was based on my article from last week, which is focused on wide receiver value and the potential for wide receivers to be maybe the next group that takes a leg up as far as price action. Give me, give and, me uh, one name. Uh, yeah, give me one name. I want to watch the whole video, but get, wet my appetite. Give me one name that, that cracks that video. 
Um, well, it's it's kind of an easy one, but uh, Odell Beckham Jr. His card hasn't really uh, done too much recently, and I think he's set up for a good season after a disappointing 2019 season. All right. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, well, NBA cards, how they're being reflected by real life sports. Sports are playing out right now. We're going to talk about Michael Porter Jr., Jaron Jackson Jr. as well, all the juniors, uh, Zion Williamson. Even we'll touch on a. T.J. Warren in his ridiculous 50-point game, good for him. We'll talk about how uh, their recent performances has affected their their cards. Uh, that said, did not mean to ignore you. We're going to bring in Jeff Wilson, last but not least. Of course, you guys know him from SCI, sportscardinvestor.com, and we do have a partnership with them. 20% off uh, your first payment, any subscription at SCI, the promo code GRINDERS. That's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Jeff Wilson, Jeff, you're back from the virtual convention recap. Welcome back, and let's talk about that. How did that go down? Thank you. Yeah, it was great. We did a five-day live streaming virtual sports card con 2020 on our Sports Card Investor YouTube channel. We brought in more than 30 dealers and special guests uh, from around the country to show off their collections and talk sports cards. We actually had some athletes on. We had Tyus Jones of the Memphis Grizzlies who joined us from the bubble, which was pretty cool to talk about what was going on down there and talk basketball cards with him. And we had Derwin James of uh, the safety for this uh, Los Angeles Chargers join, as well as uh, Pat Nishik, the uh, MLB pitcher. So it was cool. It was great. We had over 65,000 views of the stream over the course of five days. Uh, so we were real happy with how that turned out. If I want to go back and watch it, uh, where would I find that? I assume on your YouTube stream? It is. It's And it's worth watching. There was a lot of great things that happened during it, a lot of great conversation. It's all on the Sports Card Investor YouTube stream. What did Tyus Jones have to say about the bubble? Any insight? Uh, Tyus had to say they were they were taking good care of him. Uh, that uh, it was kind of like uh, he was back in the fraternity house at Duke, uh, or the or the you know dorms at Duke is kind of what you know it felt like to him, uh, and that he was avoiding playing doubles ping pong, which I understand <laughs> it, against against the NBA law. Yeah, you can play singles, but doubles is outlawed. You can fish also. if you All the Instagram, all the guys are fishing out there. And apparently, Reggie Miller threw out the conspiracy. I'm not sure you saw but apparently they're just dumping a bunch of fish in the water so the athletes feel good about themselves. They're catching fish because you kind of sort of have to. Did you guys hear this? It's ridiculous. Maybe true. I don't know. Could be true. I did not, but Alex Caruso looks like a professional, so I, I did see that. <laughs> Ta- uh, was it Taylor Horton Tucker caught a fish, and he just refused to hold it? So Alex Caruso uh, took control there. He's a he's a pro on every walk of life, apparently. Brandon, did you? I, I, I'm told you watched some of this stream. What did you get out of it? Uh, any sort of highlights for you? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, uh, Jeff didn't mention it, but I think it was Thursday on on eBay night. They had not only pulled. A, uh, a Tony, I'm not a baseball guy, but a one of one. And then not like an hour later, they pulled a gold spectra Zion out of 10, which is, is just insane. So that was a big highlight. Um, but for me, I was really there for some of the bigger names in the industry. Uh, uh, Dr. James Beckett was on there. He had a lot oh. of good things to say about the, uh, the industry. And it, it's funny, he was he was pretty realistic about what the expectations were for the industry. And then DJ ski a couple of days later was basically like, we're going to the moon. We're, we're not even halfway there. So I think it just goes to show you how none of us really know what's going on, but there was a lot of great interviews, uh, not only breaks and, and car dealers, but a lot of great interviews that, that we covered, uh, that they covered there at the virtual uh, con. And it was a, it's a really good watch. I'd urge everybody to go check it out. You have any highlights from that, Jeff, or uh, any any breaking news? Was there any news kind of broken during this conference? 
Um, I don't know that we broke any news. We did have Panini on and, and Tops on, and, and it was good to talk to them. One thing that I brought up with both of them was uh, the fear about overprinting, right? And, and you know, it's great that the hobby's hot right now, but clearly more cards are being printed because pop counts are going up. And from a sports card investor, what we obviously don't want to have happen is what happened back in the late 80s, early 90s, where printing got out of control and then all the cards became devalued. You know, they, they said the right things. They said that that is, you know, they learned their lessons from that time period, that it's something they talk about often. It's something that's on all of their minds uh, and that they're really trying to be very cognizant about, uh, you know, maintaining a healthy supply that doesn't, you know, exceed demand. Um, so they said the right things, but it was it was good to, you know, conversate with them about that. Um, yeah, just, you know, a lot of different interesting guests. Brennan mentioned a couple of them. It's just really neat to hear all the different perspectives on kind of where the hobby is today and then where the hobby might be going, you know, in the years ahead. You must be exhausted. It was it all is it all kind of a blur? Like, you know, what happened, but like it's all sort of like it's hard to remember it all because I imagine you were on air for a while. Yeah, it was uh, five straight nights. It was uh, between two and three hours a night. Uh, and it, it was a lot because we had with all the different guests coming on almost almost all of it was live. Uh, we, we pre-recorded a couple of segments, but for the most part, it was live. So all the coordination with getting the guests on and off the air, uh, you know, and, and doing the live breaks, which we did a live break every single night and gave all the cards away. So, you know, Brennan mentioned earlier the, the Zion number to 10. That's a $10,000 plus card and just one lucky viewer. It was free to attend. So, you know, just a lucky viewer, totally free. We handed that, we gave that, him that card and the Otani 101. And there were a bunch of others like that. We gave away a Ja number to 49. We gave away another, we gave away a few different Zion short print rookies. Um, and so it, that, you know, that part was pretty cool, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of effort. Uh, I had some great people on my team who, uh, you know, made it all happen. And um, I'm, uh, I'm happy it's over. Uh, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully it's live in person, right? Is This was done because of COVID, right? Is that the... Yeah, well, yeah, they, they do the big national, uh, which, you know, we're not affiliated with that, but the, the national, which is the one that they do in person, uh, was supposed to be this last week. And so when that, when that got postponed because of COVID, we decided since we had such a big YouTube platform that we would do a virtual one uh, to give all the people who might otherwise go to the national or be interested in the national, as well as the dealers that would be exhibiting at the national and are losing revenue by not being there. I mean, for a lot of these dealers that we had on our show, they exhibit at the national every single year. And some of them, that is their major source of revenue for the whole entire year. That's like their big event for the year. So, you know, they, they lost that. And so we wanted to do something to help them out and to, and to, you know, help push sales to them. And we didn't charge them anything to participate either. It was free for everybody, including the dealers. But but the dealers did well. I talked to them, so they got tens of thousands of dollars worth of sales. So, um, you know, I, it was it was kind of a win-win, I think, for everybody. Yeah, speaking of that Zion card, I believe we might see that later in, uh, in our mailday cards that we're going to be showing off at the end of the show. Uh, Jeff, you also talked about, uh, you know, the overproduction of cards and maybe like flooding the market. Well, that's a good segue to our next conversation, the NBA Chronicles Hobby Box that debuted this past week. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, Chronicles is an interesting product. So for people who aren't familiar with Chronicles, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a much different product than what, uh, what the rest of the products are. So what Panini does is they've got uh, five or so brands 
that are a little that are less popular brands from years past luminance obsidian chronicles itself there might be one or two others mixed in there that i'm not thinking about right now but these are brands that in in some prior years had their own sets and their own releases they weren't selling particularly well um and so what panini decided to do was but they still had kind of a fan following you know and so what panini decided to do was to create a set and that's chronicles that is essentially a mishmash of other sets so these other set you can't go buy luminance on its own but you can they're still producing luminance every year and it's in chronicles and you can't go buy obsidian on its own but it's in chronicles so they're doing these they're basically kind of you know putting a bunch of of, of other sets together um, which makes it kind of an interesting box to open because you're going to get instead of you know with most boxes you know if you open a prism box all the cards are prisms or if you open a spectra box all the cards are spectra but here you got a multitude of different brands so it's a bunch of different variety in terms of looks of cards it's possible that you could end up with the same player's card in the same pack even across two or three different sets uh so you know it's kind of it's kind of unique some people really really love it i'm not personally a huge fan of it because i see it as um well none of these sets really made it on their own so they you know they had to kind of push them all together for it to make sense so i'd rather personally go after the sets that on their own have a bigger brand name and appeal uh like a prism optics select you know those types of sets but uh but it certainly is an interesting one to open and a lot of people like it for that reason all right uh simon your thoughts on this set is it worth camping uh, outside of your local target to you know kind of get there when they're displayed right in the spot or you're staying home for this one yeah no there's been a lot of anticipation for this over the last couple months i think originally they were supposed to drop in retail at the beginning of july and we actually covered that in a show about a month ago how the upcoming release of chronicles and it is uh it has taken forever for it to get on the retail shelves we've been waiting quite a while for it and every week everyone is wondering is this the week is this the week and then <laughs> Wednesday comes around and we don't see any images of boxes yet. So they just had Hobby released on Friday, as as you guys were talking about. That um, I believe Panini was selling those for about nine hundred bucks a box on their site for retail. If you're finding them in retail, you're obviously not going to get the higher end cards as you would in the Hobby boxes or the uh, two guaranteed autographs that you get or whatever it is for those Hobby boxes, but they sell for probably about 20 bucks for a blaster. I'm not sure if there's going to be any mega boxes for them, but they should have fat packs too for about 10 bucks. So yeah, definitely worth looking for in Target and Walmart when those debut. And hopefully we will get it sooner rather than later. Uh, Brennan, your thoughts as far as NBA Chronicles, the hobby box? Yeah, yeah. I From a hobby box perspective, you can go out on YouTube and look at some breaks. Uh, there's a ton of rookies. You get a ton of rookies in those things. And uh, it's it's a it's an interesting break as, as Jeff touched on because it, it's kind of a mismatch of everything. You 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 know one second you've got a paper product like Illuminance, and the next second you're looking at a marquee, which is is more of a, a chromium finish. Uh, Threads is another one in there that people seem to like. Uh, but for for me, it's it's a good one for collectors and people that are just looking for something different. 
Uh, I agree with Jeff. I don't think it's a great investment product because it doesn't have a great name brand. You might pick up a Threads John Morant, but Threads doesn't have a release every year you can look forward to like uh, Prism, Optic, Select, and all of those. So I I watched a couple of the breaks online and and there's some really nice looking cards, a couple that I didn't even recognize. Um, uh, Recon is like a new, I think it's new. It it looks really nice. It's very Prism-esque. So if I can find some in the stores when they break out in retail and get something for 20, 30 bucks, that'll be something nice to break open. Uh, from an investment standpoint, I wouldn't expect uh, to pick these up and for them to appreciate uh, appreciate like some of the other sets. But uh, it's it's fun. I'd say it's a lot of fun, but it, that's probably where it stops from a, a, a sports card investment standpoint. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about how car- we've been speculating. And, you know, if you guys have watched our previous shows, we've been speculating. Well, this guy is going to be great. This guy not so much. Richardson, we're speculating this card. The, the cost has been going up. It's been going down. And now we've seen some actual NBA games in the aforementioned bubble. And uh, let, we're going to do the market mover. Uh, we're going to use it. Well, yeah, tell them about the market mover tool, what it does, what we're going to show here as far as the screen share. And then, of course, uh, Michael Porter Jr. He's got to be the first guy we're going to talk about because, hey, we've talked about him a ton on previous shows. Mark, what? Mark. <laughs> Jeff, what, what is, uh, what's the deal with Michael Porter Jr. Uh, since his massive game, he went absolutely nuts his last time out. How has that affected his card prices? Yeah, well, Market Movers, uh, one of the great things about Market Movers is that makes it super easy to graph a player's card prices with just literally just a couple of clicks. And you can see a graph of all of their popular cards. And what I just brought up here on the screen was Michael Porter Jr.'s 2018 Prism Basketball base card in PSA 10. And you can see that little spike that occurred just right at the end of the graph in the last 24 hours. That's your last 24-hour spike where this card moved from around $200 and then it jumped up to $317 literally over the course of 24 hours. So we had this card, you know, go, go up in value substantially uh, over, you know, well over a hundred dollars just based upon that one good game. And that's the type of thing that we see often in the sports card hobby these days is that, you know, a card like that, it just takes one good game. That's how dynamic the sports card market is. When you're in market movers, you can dig a little deeper. You can go into the detailed results and you can actually look at every individual sale and you can see that they got as high last night at 11.08 p.m. We had a sale for $360 of this card. And then and then an hour before, we had a sale for $365. So, you know, this, uh, this right here, this high point on the graph of 317, that's actually an average of all of the sales from yesterday. But even during the day yesterday, they were escalating because you can see, you know, as you're earlier in the day yesterday, as you go down here, they were all in the 200s. But then as you get into the evening last night, that's when they popped as high as 399, as high as $546 one sold for, uh, you know, which was a little on the extreme high side. But there were a bunch up here in that, uh, you know, 300, you know, plus 350, 360 type range. So, um this spike is only going to continue. And when, when you update this graph tomorrow to see what, uh, you know, what the, what the next 24 hours did, you're going to see that data point even higher, you know, somewhere up in here on the graph as those newer sales are getting, are getting averaged in and continuing to skew that average up. All right, Brennan. Uh, I know we've been talking about the MPJ a ton on this channel. Uh, I presume you bought some earlier is now the time to sell because it's all of a sudden too high and, if you were watching the games, the first game, he was a disaster. And Coach Malone was yelling at him the whole time. And 
we know he's super talented, but he's been kind of volatile in his minutes. Been all over the place as well too. And that Denver team has got a bunch of talented players, so who knows how guaranteed those minutes are? But the ceiling is awesome when he's on. He's an elite player on that court. Uh, he's still plenty young as well too. And of course, I think he was once a when he was in high school, the number one player in high school, depending on who you're asking, uh, is now the time to sell because he's, this is a peak game and maybe when the playoffs start, we can't expect this every single time. What are you doing with your MPJ shares? Yeah, so I'll, t- I'll tell you what I've done. So over the course of this season, I, I probably picked up 15 or 20 Michael Porter Jr. cards and I've actually sold half of those. I'm going to hold on to the other half because uh, he does have a lot of long-term potential. As you talked about, he's the top high school prospect in his class. I think it was like four games into his college career. He threw his back out, um, didn't play the rest of the year. They sat him in Denver for his first year. So, you know, we're seeing him break out here, but it, you know, it doesn't mean that he wasn't, he's not still the top prospect that we thought he was. So there's still a lot of upside here long-term. I think what you have to, you know, what you have to realize in a situation like this, and it's a great contrast against Bull Bull is this one or two game stretch is new data. And we have to compare what we're seeing now to what we already knew about Michael Porter Jr. And whereas Bull Bull, a second round pick has some upside, but it's quite a bit risky we're starting to see Michael Porter Jr., who was already highly regarded, uh, start to break out a little bit. And if he can stay healthy, I think there's a lot of long-term all-star level potential. So if you have multiple Michael Porter Jr. cards, it might be good to lock in some you know, some profit now and hold some others for long-term. Uh, if you've got one Michael Porter Jr. card, I, I guess it depends on what you're trying to do. If, if, if there's another card out there you're looking to buy right now, selling this high and then going and reinvesting that money might be a good idea. But if you're a, if you're a person who believes in Michael Porter jr. To be a multi you know level all-star potentially MVP, maybe then just hold. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to want to buy back in later. And if he continues this, you're just going to buy back in higher to begin with. So uh, you know, for my opinion, if you've got multiple cards, I would probably sell some, keep some, if you're holding on to one, it's, it's all based on what your, you know, your investment strategy is really in your goals. All right, Jeff, give your thoughts as far as what you're doing with your Porter Jr. shares and then segue right into Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought Brennan's advice was pretty good there on Michael Porter Jr. I think I would do exactly what he suggested, you know, maybe sell some and hold some if you have multiples. And if you only have one, it comes down to where you believe will go from here. If you if you aren't super optimistic about him, now's a good time to sell because he just had a big price spike. Um, you know, but if you, if you feel like, no, this guy's the real deal. And what we just saw last night or the other night is more of what we're going to see for days to come, then hold on. And, you know, let's see what he does in future seasons. Uh, he's certainly going to be an interesting guy to watch and segue into Jaron Jackson, Jr. Another very interesting guy to watch. I would suggest that Jaron Jackson, Jr. Is, is more proven than Michael Porter Jr. At this point, because he's, he's had, you know, not just an occasional flash in the pan type game, but Jaron Jackson, Jr. Has been pretty solid. Since coming into the league in 2018, he's had two pretty solid seasons. Um, and uh, he seems to only be getting better. And he and he had two really hot games to start the bubble. Uh, the first game, uh, I think against the Timberwolves, I think it was, he went for, I think, uh, well, like 31 or something like that. And then his second game against the Spurs, he hit a three-point shot with 10 seconds left uh, that I believe tied that game. So, Jaron Jackson Jr. is certainly uh, in the spotlight right now for uh, Memphis, even though they've been a little bit disappointing. But you can see on his graph and market movers how, you know, these last two games spiked his prices. Like, you know, when he coming into the bubble, 
He was around $187 right before those two games happened. This is for his 2018 Prism base PSA 10 card. And then, you know, he quickly spiked to where this is now about a $287 card. So not quite as dramatic of a spike as Michael Porter Jr., more so because people were already familiar with Jaron Jackson Jr. and they already knew that he could do some good things. So it wasn't as big of a surprise as Porter Jr., which we have a much more limited data set on. However, still enough to cause a $100 spike in his card prices. And since his prices were a little less expensive to begin with, they really escalated about, you know, what what is that percentage-wise? I think about 33-plus percent, uh, maybe even uh, – actually, no, that's actually closer to what, about 50% that they would have escalated from 187 to uh, 287. A little over 50%, I should say, over the course of the last uh, couple of days. First game, for what it's worth, that was against uh, Portland. They went to overtime. Minnesota is actually fishing outside the bubble, probably, the, the Timberwolves. Uh, they were not invited. They're not good enough, but uh, – yeah, over, over what, 21, 22 points every single game so far. The tricky part, uh, Brennan, is that they've lost every single game. And, okay, you guys tell me, or Brennan, you tell me, uh, in the short term, we speculated in the prospect of Zion, and we'll bring Zion to the conversation too because I think it's kind of relevant. Who's going to get that eight spot? Who's going to win the right to get absolutely walloped by the Lakers in the first round? And from a short-term perspective, uh, I would imagine Triple J, at least from being showcased uh, against the Lakers, and he's a super you know, athletic and could step back and hit the three as well too. Uh, he's going to have his moments for sure, but they're going to lose against the Lakers. Uh, your thoughts as far as Triple J and how much does it matter that they keep losing? Uh, they're probably going to play the eight game against one of the nine teams we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, I mean, Memphis is still in the driver's seat. They're two games up on Portland, uh, two games up on the Spurs. Quite honestly, I thought the Spurs might take the game last night against the Sixers. And if that mm-hmm. happened, it was a whole nother ball game. Uh, that being said, nobody really seems to want that spot. Uh, the only, I think the only wins so far that I've noticed have come against each other. So, you know, the Spurs have lost, the Blazers lost the other night. Uh, the Pelicans got their first win against Memphis, which is timely, but they were 0-2 to start it. And then the Kings are winning right now against the Dallas, but um, I don't think they have much of a chance. So uh, if Jaron Jackson does get in against the Lakers, or even in a, I think there's going to be a lot of attention around the playing game if there is one, which is trending that way. So everyone is going to watch that game. It's the first ever one in NBA history. We didn't get March Madness this year, so it's our, really our only shot at something like that. Uh, so I like Jaron Jackson Jr. If you haven't bought in yet, now's probably not the time. I'd probably wait until they get eliminated. Um, but I, I agree with Jeff. He's more proven than Michael Porter Jr. I, I love the young nucle- nu- uh, <laughs> nucleus there in, uh, uh, in, in Memphis. I think their young core of players is really good. And so I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a long-term hold. He's a big man that can play defense, hit threes, and he's going to be playing – next to one of the most exciting players in the NBA as he goes into his prime and John Morant. So uh, like, I think Memphis still is in the driver's seat. I, I, w- I thought all along that Portland had a really good shot of getting in there. Their one loss I think came against the Clippers. So that's understandable. Uh, you know, but either way, Jaron Jackson Jr. Probably has uh, six to 10 more games of, of being in the spotlight here in the playoffs. And he's a very, very good player. And, and I would be holding him long-term uh, and looking for a spite or a dip uh, if they get eliminated because uh, I'd want to get in at a good price for him. All right, this is an interesting conversation because I have an obsessed this 8-9 play-in game, and let's dig into it. It's, it's definitely going to happen. Basically, the rules are uh, if you're the 8 seed at the end of the regulation season and the 9 seed is within four games, they will have a playoff. The 8 plays the 9. If the 8 beats the 9, the 8 moves on to lock in the 8 spot. If the 9 wins, 
they play again. So basically the eight's got to lose to the nine twice. Now, I've been speculating it's going to be uh, the Pelicans that grab that nine spot and they beat Memphis two times. And it's funny because, you know, a 538, you know, math-based website, despite the fact that the Grizzlies are still in the eight spot, Brennan, uh, they're only 25% chance to make the playoffs. The Pelicans, who are currently in 11th, have a 42% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, the Pelicans um, most recently beat the Grizzlies, which is a very, very big game last time out. That was huge. That was important. And they lost their first two games. Uh, it was kind of a, you know, it was the perfect storm of bad things happening with Zion coming back from the bubble. Wasn't in the best shape of his life. Uh, they're still kind of slowly working him back. And we'll talk about Zion in a second, obviously. But um, what happened there is he played like 15 minutes, then 20 minutes. In the first game, they, they just got edged out by Utah. And the second game, they got edged out by the Clippers. But what I'll say is, as far as a perfect storm, is that they have two tough games out of eight. And their two toughest games are already done. The rest of their schedule uh, for New Orleans, I think they – Absolutely have a chance to run the table. There's 22 teams there, like Minnesota, all, all the terrible teams didn't make it, except for Washington, who's terrible also. And they get to play Washington. They play Sacramento twice, San Antonio, and then Orlando, the last game of the year. Of course, they lost Isaac, and they're one of the worst teams in the bubble as well, too. So, Brennan, I propose that New Orleans is going to get the nine spot. They're going to take on Memphis. They're going to beat them twice, and Zion will get showcased against the Lakers. Are you with me? I don't think I'm I'm as confident as you are here. Like right. I said, I'm a huge fan of Portland, and and here's why. And we've seen professional athlete after professional athlete say this: you have to learn how to win. Playoff basketball is completely different than regular season basketball. Portland has been there. They just made it to the Western Conference Finals uh, just a year ago, and they're much more healthier than they they have been all season. So, uh, Pelicans certainly have a shot. Uh, I'm not with you on on how confident. I'm certainly not with 538 with them being above Memphis. Just the fact that they'd have to beat them twice in a row and is 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 difficult to do no matter how good you are as a basketball team. That being said, uh, it, it looks like Zion's minutes are trending up. Looks like they're taking the training wheels off. And if that's the case, uh, Pelicans automatically become a much better team than him playing 15 minutes off the bench. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Pelicans do Zion is, is one of the most uh, polarizing players, both in the NBA and from a sports card investment perspective. Uh, but here's the thing. He's got a higher ceiling than about anybody in the NBA. Um, he's probably got a top five ceiling in the NBA um, from legacy career standpoint. So if you think he's going to stay healthy and you think the Pelicans are going to be a force to reckon with both this season and in seasons to come, you probably want to get in now because it, irrational or not the market for every bit of good news on Zion, the cards are going to go up, um, which we've seen with even guys like Jaron Jackson, TJ Warren. We'll talk about in a second, Michael Porter jr. If Zion goes for 40 points and 20 rebounds in a game, you know, his prices are going up. It's going to happen. And so, um, you know, I'm with you. Zion's great. The Pelicans are great. There's a lot of teams in the mix right now. It's almost like a coin flip to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, for what it's worth, New Orleans has beaten the Grizzlies, I believe, three times this year. And the other part of Portland, Portland's actually ahead of uh, the Grizzlies as far as 538 for, uh, projections at 27%. So 27%, okay. 25% for Memphis. Sacramento at 3%. The Spurs at 2%. <laughs> if you're curious, you're scoring at home. And Portland, the tricky part with them is they play Houston tonight, then Denver, then the Clippers, then Philadelphia, then Dallas. These are real basketball teams. And they get Brooklyn at the end, which, you know, that's a gimme. Who knows who's going to be playing for Brooklyn the last game of the year. But, uh, Jeff, jump in here. Your, your thoughts on this conversation. And then, hey, let's do a screen share. Let's bring in some Zion. Yeah, well, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. I, 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 
I don't fully know what to expect. I'm rooting for the matchup uh, that you're projecting between the Pelicans and Memphis because I, I'm invested in uh, a little bit of Zion in a lot of Lonzo Ball. People who watch my show uh, know that I bought a lot of his cards. Um, and I'm also invested in a good amount of Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and so, you know, getting those guys, you know, to face off in the spotlight, I think would be a pretty positive thing for at least for my investments. I'd rather have that than Portland. I agree, though, with Brennan that Portland is could be trouble uh, since they are a pretty experienced team and, and uh, they're, you know, they have, certainly have the capability of playing at a very high level. Uh, Zion's interesting from a card price standpoint. I just brought his graph up. And what's interesting is that the sports card hobby has not been impressed with Zion's play so far in the bubble because you can see his cards have actually gone down over the course of the last four or five days, unlike uh, many of the players in the bubble who have seen their card prices go up. Uh, you know, kind of entering the bubble, Zion's card prices got up to about $917 looking at his 2019 Prism basketball base PSA 10 card. And then it started to soften. And now this card sold yesterday for as little as $750. So we've seen the exact opposite effect with Zion that we saw with, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. or uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Zion's come down to earth a little bit. So if you are looking to scoop up a few Zion cards, and if you do think that the Pelicans are going to make this run that 538 projects or that you project, um, then I think I would buy right this moment because uh, they've, they've softened here in the last week. Conversely, if you think that the Pelicans are just going to get quickly eliminated and they're not going to actually make it even into, to contest for that eight seed, then maybe you hold off for a little while longer, let Zion get eliminated, let Zion go home, you might see those prices go down a little more, and then you could start to buy as uh, you're entering his offseason. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's a reaction to Zion, you know, leaving the bubble, coming back, playing 15 minutes, playing 15 bad minutes, then playing 20 minutes the next game wasn't very good. But last time out, they won the game. They won the most, the most important game there against Memphis. He played 25 minutes. He played 25 good minutes. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Brennan, as far as Zion? Uh, is it a buy, sell, hold? And let's bring in T.J. Warren, who, as a player, I did not expect to talk about. <laughs> but he puts up 50 real-life basketball points. It might have been 53. I might be shorting him three points. Not really certain. Uh, he went absolutely nuts. Of course, you know, a lot of the players in that team weren't there, so somebody had to get all that usage. Uh, your thoughts as far as Zion, as far as a buy or a sell or a hold? And then I guess we got to acknowledge TJ Warren's existence because he was excellent. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't think Zion's a sell right now. Um, you, you know, we we talk about his prices going down, but they're still exponentially higher than Jaron Jackson and Michael Porter Jr. So the market, you know, still thinks he's he's one of the best young players in the league. Um, but if you're trying to buy into a little bit of a dip, now is the time. I'm holding, so I have I have three or four Zions. I don't have a lot. I have much more jaw than I do Zion. Um, I'm holding all my Zions. If they go to zero because he has too many injuries and he doesn't pan out, that's fine with me. Um, but I'm playing the long game with Zion, so he's a hold for me. He's certainly not a sell. And if you can find something in your price range and you're looking to get in, now's probably the time or between now and the start of next season is probably when you want to look for your opportunity. So um, I still have belief in Zion, but I think there's more risk there than people might realize. Um, we, we just with them, you know, being so safe with him, there's been some videos out there, which I don't actually agree with about him just not looking like he's interested on the court sometimes not helping teammates up all sorts of things. So, and he's got the off the, off the court stuff he's been dealing with. So, you know, there's a lot of risk there, but I still believe in him long-term and I'm holding Zion 
I'm not doing anything with TJ Warren other than acknowledging that he had 53 points and then followed it up with 34 points on nine of 12 shooting from three. Um, but the reason why I think it's interesting to talk about is because on Starstock, which I've been spending a lot of time on here recently, his prices went from, so it, on June 27th, you could get his prism rookie Starstock a, which is the highest graded card raw cards on Starstock for $2 50 cents. For some reason, a day later, it went for $15. And then after his 50-point game, it went for 30 And then after the 34-point game, it went to 38 So his cards went from, in less than a week, it went from $2.50 to having sold for $38 and $38. And, and that's just the, that's the, sport card, that's the sports card market when there's actual games being played. And uh, TJ Warren's 26. It looks like he's going to be a journeyman. He's a good offensive player, but the ceiling is very low for a guy like him compared to the other guys we've talked about. But it's a lesson that I don't think many new investors and collectors have learned yet because there hasn't been actual live sports. These things happen. There's no way that TJ Warren's card is worth $38. Sorry to whoever bought that on, on uh, you know, August 4th. Um, but, you know, just keep in mind that these things happened. If you're holding a card like this, it's, it's a great time to sell. And if you're watching the game, seeing the guy go for 50, try to evaluate everything about the player, not just that 24 minutes, 30 minutes in that game to see if he's worth the new prices. Cause a lot of times these are irrational. Uh, this is much more irrational than somebody like Jaron Jackson, Zion or, or Michael Porter Jr. But it happened. I saw it happen. It was playing out as the game was going on. His, he went from 15 to 38 in a matter of two days. It was just insane. Yeah, I mean, context matters. Uh, Brogdon didn't play that game. Of course, Sabonis didn't play that game. Uh, They're without Oladipo in that game. He was playing alongside a bunch of dudes named Holiday, basically. Miles Turner was there, too. But, uh, you know, and good for him. I, I don't think he'll ever be an all-star. He's like, you know, he's a, a second or third best player on a really bad team, a fourth best player on a really good team, something like that. Probably never going to be an all-star. Uh, Jeff, you have any thoughts as far as TJ Ward or anything you want to add to that conversation? Yeah, that's just a silly overreaction. Uh, the fact that his card prices drove up that high on star stock. You know, people, uh, you know, people forget that in order for a sports card to have value long-term, the player actually has to go on to have a really, really great career. I mean, there's a million guys like TJ Warren who played basketball in the eighties or nineties or two thousands that had a 50 point game along the way, but nobody really, really remembers them now because they weren't like impactful players. I mean, think back to, you know, the two thousands or 1990s, like who are the players who you actually care about having their cards at this point, now that you're 10 years removed from their playing careers that, 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 you know, really, made a difference and, and were hall of fame players, you know, TJ Warren, certainly not that. So it's uh, it's just a lot of overreaction at this point. I would, I would put your money elsewhere, put your money into the players who, uh, you know, could actually go on and have very special careers. Like potentially some of the guys we already talked about during the show today, Zion, Jared Jackson, Jr. Michael Porter, Jr. Obviously those three guys, very young and we don't know yet, are they going to go on and have like exceptional careers but in my opinion, they got a lot greater chance of, of you know, that eventually happening. I'm getting a flashback. I feel like Terrence Ross might have put up like a 50 spot like three years ago or something like that. Uh, you know, and like he's a fine like six man off the bench energy guy kind of thing. But, you know, and Warren's probably a better player than Ross. But that's a sort of popped in my head for some reason. All right, Jeff, uh, I believe there's a new tool, a new tool you want to show off here uh, on the market movers uh, when it comes to ratios and card prices. Have at it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, one thing, uh, we got a couple new features in Market Movers. One is uh, we've added a My Collection feature, uh, I think maybe since the last time I was on the show, or maybe it was brand new, but we've added some really cool stuff to it where you can track your entire collection now in Market Movers. Uh, and that's what I just have an example collection up here. But throughout Market Movers, you can add cards to your collection and track you know, how the value of your collection has trended over time and how much profit you've made on cards you've sold. You can even specify when you go to sell a card, it has an interface that allows you to uh, say, hey, I just sold that card. And then it will say, when did you sell it for? How much were the fees? And then it will put all the cards that you sold in a separate, a separate view sold screen, which you, you can then break down by sport or by player or by year or by set. So really cool stuff. And we just added the ability to add any card. So even cards that um, aren't in our database, you can add now to the chart any card feature or to the buy collection feature as well. So that's one of the new things. But another new thing uh, regarding the ratios is uh, when you go in uh, and you do a search on any player, like, so let's take example Zion, since we were just talking about Zion, you could compare, for example, you know, you could look at Zion's prism and you could look at his, like his base and his silver, and you could look at PSA 10 and PSA 9. And what it's going to do when you call these up on your graph you're then going to have the ability to uh, look at ratios of these four cards in comparison to each other. And that's this section right here. So what it will do is it will tell you, for example, that his silver is selling for 6.56 times compared to his base in PSA 10. Uh, Whereas his, uh, you can also look at his uh, PSA 10 base versus PSA 9 base. And the difference in the multiplier there is 2.88. Now, what, where this gets really interesting is when you then go look at, for example, Ja Morant, and you go look at other rookies like Tyler Hero and Rui Hachimura, and you look at what their silver is, is uh, what the multiple between their silver and their base is, and what the multiple between their PSA 10 and their PSA 9 is. And what you start to notice is that you find some inefficiencies in the market. You find some gaps in the market where a certain player, his silver may only be selling for like 4x more than his base. Whereas with a lot of other players, it's selling for 6 or 7x his base. So that might tell you that there is a buy opportunity on that player's silver. Conversely, you might find another player whose silver is selling for 8x his base. And so if you want to invest in that player, you may be better off investing in his base card because you're going to get potentially a better value. And you can apply this same logic to looking at PSA 10s versus PSA 9s. And you could actually do the search that I just did, but you could add multiple players to the search. So I could go back here and I could edit my search and I could actually add, you know, Ja Morant, for example, directly to this search so that I can see his cards next to Zion's cards in that ratio feature. You could even add an entire rookie class to look at all of their ratios against one another. So it's just another way that Market Movers is giving you extra insights into the sports card market. And if there's a player that you're looking to invest in, using that feature will tell you out of all of their cards where the best value might be for you to get in. All right. Good time to remind you guys you can get 20% off your first payment uh, of a a subscription at SCISportsCardInvestor.com using the promo code GRINDERS. You can get access to that tool. Uh, Simon, uh, you're still with us. I I heard some banging on on the microphone. I wasn't sure if that was you to let let us know you're still here. (laughs) But uh, I assume you're still here, Simon. Uh, how would you best use that tool that Jeff was describing? Um, it's a it's a great new tool. I'm always looking for ways to compare cards to see if we can find value somewhere. 
hidden value in, in players that cards have gone up significantly and we're wondering if we can even buy their cards anymore without it being a losing proposition. So this is a perfect tool for something like that. You can compare different brands. I know Brennan is a big select fan and one of the brands that he likes comparing uh, to prism is select. So this ratio would come in pretty handy for that. And I think I'm going to use this tool for my, uh, my next article when I'm doing comparisons and looking for value in some of these cards. How about yourself, Brennan? How would you use this? Yeah, no, uh, the, the dem- demonstration that Jeff did w- was great. Um, I would, so what you don't want to do is have information overload. So when I'm, when I'm in there using this tool, I try to make sure a couple of things are constant. So I'm either looking at one set or one grade. Um, it'll be very difficult if you do John Morant, Zion Williamson, PSA 9, PSA 10, Select Prism. You're going to get all sorts of different things to look at, and it's going to be information overload. So in this scenario, uh, you know, if I want to compare John Murray to Zion Williamson, I'm probably going to select their prism, PSA 10, silver, and base. And I'm going to look at all of the different uh, things that come up. And you want to jot down notes. And, and just like Jeff said, if, if John Morant's silver is going for a lower multiple compared to the base than Zion's is in the PSA 10, that's a good buying opportunity because both of those will probably converge to the mean at some point in the future, um, especially since they're in the same set. So the the relative rarity of the silver versus the base should be the same uh, grading as far as PSA 10 versus PSA nine should be the same. Um, so, you know, especially when you're first starting out, I would try to keep it very simple, two players, one set, one grade, and then, you know, dip, look at different parallels or maybe just look at the base card for PSA nine, PSA 10, try not to give yourself too much to look at. Um, uh, but there's a lot of really good value in there to find some market inefficiencies. Cause, um, as with anything in light, life, a lot of, most things will revert back to the mean. So if the true number should be a five times multiple ones at eight and ones at three, it's likely that in the future, at some point, they'll both go towards five again at at some point. So, um, that's how I would use it. And I actually am using it that way. And it's been very, very helpful. All right. Do what I ask you guys to like, and subscribe. We much appreciate that helps the channel out a lot and, uh, leave some comments in the comment section. Tell us what you like, tell us what you want us to talk about on future shows. Before you step aside, we kind of teased it at the top, Brennan. Uh, let's talk about that market cap analysis article. Uh, what did you expect going in when you were comparing Luca versus Giannis, and what are your results? I guess don't give us the entire thing because you know the people can check it out. It's out there on rotorgrounders.com. But uh, just give us a give us a tease. Sure. Yeah. So I'm glad Jeff is on this because this was his idea. We were pitching the very first market cap article and, and he had actually said it'd be interesting to look at Ja compared to Luca and LeBron. And, and the reason why is people think that it's been a linear growth in the industry that, uh, you know, every year more and more cards are printed, but that's actually not the case. LeBron's year, there was quite a few cards printed for him and we hit like a, a, a lull before it, it kind of started to explode when Panini took over. And so, you know, I was expecting to see Giannis's pop counts uh, low but I was also expecting to see the increase in, in, in price for him to kind of make up for that. Um, I won't give away the entire, entire article, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people saying that, that Gian, uh, Giannis is a little bit undervalued still. I, this article absolutely confirms that. It emphatically confirms that the market has not yet caught up on the, the relative scarcity of, of Giannis's cards. That's not the only takeaway, though. There's, there's some really interesting things when you look at 
PSA versus BGS as you move through, you know, through time. Uh, the, the market hasn't always been the way it is today. So I would urge everyone to check that out. There's a lot of good things in there, not just the market cap piece, which is what I was expecting to, I was expecting to get a yes, no on whether or not Giannis was undervalued relative to Luca and LeBron. Uh, it, I came away with quite a bit more. So yeah, I'd urge everybody to check that out. I tried to, I tend to be a, a long winded talker and writer. I tried to keep this one much more brief uh, because there's a lot of information in there. There's some charts to try to help. Um, but you know, everything Jeff had talked about on the, on the previous show we were on uh, completely confirmed. He's, he's ahead. Of, he's a, he's ahead of his time. Jeff, did you get a chance to read the article by chance? Or no, I didn't, but I'm excited to go check it out now. And, and I appreciate the, I appreciate uh, uh, Brennan your comment there, but um, it's actually it's it, that was that was it was my hunch hunch that the you know 2012 and 2013 that there were there was a you know shortage of cards compared to currents and uh, and therefore when you're really then applying the actual population size to what card prices are it was my hunch that you were going to find good value in a player like Giannis. And by the way, I would, I would say the same, I, I, I would imagine it applies through the year prior for an Anthony Davis and for a Kawhi Leonard uh, and different players of, the, of that draft class. And then probably even, you probably even have another, a couple of years after that where it applies as well before the population started going up and up and up. Um, and so that's, it's really interesting stuff. And honestly, it's that type of analysis that Brennan just did that is, uh, it really could make a difference for a sports card investor. I mean, that's savvy analysis. And you, you, you know, this is at the end of the day, this is all about supply and demand. And so if you can figure out where there's a lack of supply, yet there will probably be increasing demand, especially if a player like Giannis, you know, makes it to the finals this year and maybe wins a ring, then that could be the opportunity where prices could escalate really quickly. All right, on to our mail day cards, getting your socials. Simon, you're batting first. Tell the people about the RG Discord channel as well. Yeah, the RG Discord channel is a great place to come to get ideas for sports cards you might want to buy. You get a lot of good input from really good DFS players who come in there and use some of that DFS knowledge to target some of the cards that they recommend in that channel. Chief, Head Chopper, you know, a lot of, very good DFS players. Brendan and I are also in there uh, giving, sharing mail days and giving ideas and, and whatnot. And you can find me also on Twitter at Yeti Boom Films. Uh, I also have an article dropping this week. You can check out rotogrinders.com uh, in the sports card section where you see all our new content for videos and articles going up weekly. Put up a couple articles, a couple videos a week. Um, as far as my mail day, uh, as you can see from this image, uh, it, my mailbox has been pretty barren for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Ever since the return of sports, I've been pretty busy trying to keep up with all the shows and whatnot. And best ball is back too. So best ball between underdog and now DraftKings. Yeah, DraftKings has a, a best ball now too. So that's been occupying a lot of my time. But I plan on using that ADP from best ball to try to figure out if I can find some undervalued players in football cards, because I think that that's going to be a good indication of players that might be going overlooked. So you can use the market movers data from there to kind of see what the price action has been recently, compare some of those ratios or compare some of those uh, 
different variations of cards to see if you can find some value and, and capitalize before the football season starts. Brennan. Yeah. So uh, my mail day is something a little bit, a little bit different this week. So I actually got a messy 2015 select uh, camo parallel uh, numbered to uh, 249. Uh, I'm actually just entering the soccer space. It's been on fire uh, much like basketball has been. And 2015 was actually the first year of select. Um, I'm not going crazy in soccer. Uh, you know, basketball is my thing and I fully understand that, but as a select uh, truther and, and a, a big fan of Messi, who I think is one of the five best players in the history of the game. Um, you know, I wanted to pick something up. And uh, so it came in today. I'm a little disappointed. There's a couple of edge issues, so I'm probably not going to send it into PSA. Um, but it's a pretty cool card that I can throw in a nice one touch and, and put on the shelf. So I've officially entered the soccer space. And for anybody that's a <laughs> soccer fan, now might be the time to do your research because it is, it is going up. And, uh, you know, starting with the 2014 Prism set, uh, they're start Panini's really starting to ramp up the offerings. Um, Tops Chrome's even in the in the game right now. Uh, 2017, I think, is the first year for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I entered the soccer space, and I hope there's more to come. Uh, you can obviously read my article on uh, that we just talked about on RotoGrinders.com, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Advisor. Uh, same thing inside the Discord chat if you see me pop in there as I have time. But uh, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good to talk to you guys today. Let's check out that card pre-show. I love those Argentinian kits. It's a pretty sweet card, pretty sweet uniform as well. All right, Jeff, close us out. Yeah, so uh, my mail day card is a card that, unfortunately, I'm not getting in the mail, (laughs) but one of the viewers of the virtual is getting in the mail, and it's a Zion Spectra Gold number to 10. Uh, It was the biggest hit from the virtual sports card con. Uh, we mentioned it at the beginning of the show, and we got it here on the screen. Uh, it was pulled by Layden Sports Cards. Uh, they're they're uh, you know they're a breaker, and so they came on uh, during the virtual, and we did a free break courtesy of eBay. eBay bought the product and uh, gave it to Layden uh, to break, and all of the break sl- slots were given away randomly uh, to viewers of the virtual. So one of our viewers got assigned the Pelicans. And then, of course, was sitting there on the edge of his seat, his or her seat, waiting to see if anything pulled from the Pelicans. And, oh, my, did it. Uh, you know, this uh, Zion number to 10 gold is uh, at least a $10,000 card coming right off the bat here, uh, you know, with the potential to get graded and add some value to it. So it, that's that's a big nail day for uh, for somebody. It's tough to give away, but that's pretty awesome that, that uh, you know, hey, it pays to watch the show as well, too, I suppose. But that's a uh, must have been a fun sweat for whoever out there was out there watching that. All right, we got to step aside. We got to get out of here. We much appreciate you guys watching the show. Again, like, subscribe, uh, comment in the comment section here at YouTube. Uh, the Market Movers tool, they use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S, to get 20% off your first payment. For Simon, for Brennan, for Jeff, I was Dean. This was Sports Cards. We're out of here. Holler. Holler.